Well, today, this morning, I want to do um, something that, if you've been to a conference where Joel Holm is at, in the last session, what he usually does is he gets up and he goes, right, I'm going to wrap what's happened in the conference together and, and let you know what I think God's been saying. And this morning, I want to share what I think God was saying to us as Church Unlimited through the conference. But even more than that, I really feel this is really specific for the West Campus. It is something that God's got for us, and it's for all the campuses, but I really feel this morning it's for us. And what I felt coming through as a clear theme that God was saying is that we are in a new era of evangelism. You know, as a church, this isn't a season. This isn't a moment in time. It's a new era. It's a shift. It's a change. There's a real stepping up in the speed, a changing in our thinking around this. And I think it's time that it's not about understanding up here, but getting the revelation in here. Getting a revelation of what God is saying to us corporately. And this isn't just a thought that came through conference, because it really did come through, and we'll look at it. But about October last year, we were in here on Thursday night, and uh, we're having our prayer meeting. And uh, Greta Peters and David were here, and Greta jumped up, and she prophesied that there will be a new era of evangelism. So that got spoken back there, and then uh, a little while later, Pastor Tart got prophesied, and he mentioned at a conference about he was given like this ring Lord, to, um, to signify that he was going to release and equip people for evangelism. And even as I was listening yesterday to the conference, Pastor Tark actually mentioned just in one line in one of his messages, he said, you know, there is a new era of evangelism. And I want to look at that this morning. So let's think back to conference. And, you know, we had Bayless there. And Bayless got up and he, he preached the messages on the tears and the wheat. And then he shared his testimony. And, you know, when he shared his testimony in that message, at a conference, at a Christian conference, we saw over 60 people saved at the conference, which was amazing. It's like God really showing, hey, there's something new that I'm doing. And then he finished his messages off with the thought that God uses us. God uses people. Pastor Tark, he, he shared on rewind back to the beginning, re rewind to the basis of Christianity and how we have to be getting the bread out. We have to be getting the gospel out. And then his other message, rewind back to the upper room about unity and prayer. And you'll see how that comes in. Pastor Graham, he talked about the real Jesus and, the, and his heart for the lost. And then we had Pastor Wayne, and you guys will be able to finish this probably. He, his first message was what? Be kind. Okay, you, we can remember that. And, and then he went on to the talk of God. Uh, the, yeah, the talk of God, the talk of the presence of God. And then he had that blackboard session about the shifting us into greatness. And what's really interesting is we think about evangelism. I've got to find it in my notes here. Where did I have it? Somewhere here. I actually Googled what it means. Evangelism. What does it really mean? And see, I think most of us are thinking evangelism is, you know, a big crusade or it's some street preacher. But this is what Google said. This is what the dictionary basically said evangelism is. It defines it as the spreading of the Christian gospel by public preaching or by personal witnessing like one-on-one. -on -one. 
it, it's basically spreading the gospel. And it, it's not about getting out there on the streets. It's about just talking about Jesus. And, and when I, I think of, you know, usually when we think about evangelism, we think of on the streets. And I think back to when I was about 15, we were down at Wittianger on a beach missions. And, and I got asked to do, because I was probably really dumb and not really thinking too much, but I got asked to go down on the wharf and, and present the gospel through a magic trick. And they were probably thinking, oh, here's some really useless street, street performer. And I probably had no idea what I was doing. But that's my thought of evangelism. I'm sure no one got saved through it, and they probably didn't even realize I was Christian. But anyway, I'm not, for the sake of time, I'm not going to show you this morning. Why? I don't know. Okay, okay, I've got to get ready for this. I've got, to, I've got to do this properly. I think I messed it up in the, a little bit in the first service. So, okay, it goes something like this. You ready? Okay. So I haven't done this for years, so you've got to follow me on this, okay? So basically, we're all like this cloth. We've all done wrong, and, and, and this is red because it signifies sin and, and the wrong things. And, and as people, we have to get to that place where we actually have realized that we've got wrong in our lives and you know this cloth used to be white but now it's red because we've done wrong and, and so what we have to do as as humans is we need to give it to God we need to give it all to God and we just need to just give it to God and just keep keep giving all our sin and asking for forgiveness and then one day it'll all be gone and we've been, we've given it to him and we've trusted him with our lives and it just completely trusting it to God we've given it to him so we get to that place one day when we've, we've really realized we need Jesus and he's trusting with our sins. And then basically push it all down and then it's gone. It's just completely gone. The sin's gone. The, God, the sin's completely gone in our life. But, but you know what's really interesting is some days we tend to just pull it back out again. And, and it just kind of keeps going a little bit like that. But you, you, you get on awesome. Okay, so you get the picture. That was kind of what it was like. But I hope I didn't give away the magic trick. It was, I haven't done it for 15 years. Anyway, but that's, to me, that is evangelism, but it's not. And we're going to look at it a little bit more because we are in a new era. And, and the new era is not just for the church as a whole. It's for every one of us because the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, we've all been given the ministry of reconciliation which is seeing people come to know Jesus. In the first service, there was a, a lady here named uh, Lorraine, and I was preparing for this message a couple of weeks ago, and my mum just showed me a post that she did on Facebook, and it had a challenge. And she basically said, I challenge all my friends, if you haven't been to church in a while, why don't you come along to church? Glen Dean Roundabout, this is actually what it's saying, 9 or 11 o'clock, if you come along, I'll make sure there's a good coffee waiting for you in the cafe. And she had it up there, and then she had it up again this week. That's evangelism. Because who knows what God is going to do with that little post. But I want to say this morning that God's heart breaks for your friends and your family more than yours does. God wants to see the lost come in. Isn't that right? He wants to see West Auckland radically saved. 
God's desire, and man, I'd love to see it even start happening next week, that hundreds, if not thousands of people are coming every week and getting right. That's his desire. And I think when we start partnering with his desire, we're going to start seeing what this new era of evangelism really means. If you've got your Bibles, I want you to have a look at a verse. Now, if you've got your Bibles, it's in Habakkuk. You're like, where's that? Okay, I'll just tell you. It's before... Name it. Haha, that doesn't help you either. It's, it's like in the back of the New Old Testament. Anyway, Habakkuk 1 verse 5, it's on the screen. I really feel this is for the new era. Listen to this. Look out at the nations. Look out at New Zealand and pay attention. Here's the word that God's been saying to us for a while. Be astounded. This is actually scriptural. Be astounded. Be really astounded because something is happening in your lifetime. Something is happening right now that you won't believe, even if it were to be described to you, down to the smallest detail. God is going to astound us in this new era of evangelism because it's his heartbeat. So this morning, I don't want to give a couple of points on how. I want to try and explain what it's going to look like and what it's going to look like individually if all of us embrace this new era of evangelism. Because this isn't just for a moment. This is for us really getting a revelation and changing around it. So the first thing I want to say, a new era of evangelism looks like us changing our expectation or our anticipation around our family and friends getting saved. Now, a few months back we had uh, David McCracken come, and he's a prophet. And one of his messages, he got, got up and he said, and basically it was about the creative power of anticipation. And I was sitting there going, oh yeah, that's just like expectation. That's, I've heard that before. That's just faith. But no, there's something in this. If we start anticipating something to happen, there is creative power in it. And it's more likely to happen. There's a creative power in our expectation, in our anticipation. If you start expecting that you're going to see family members get saved, you're going to have greater faith for it. There's going to, more likely that they're going to say yes. Can I just say, uh, I didn't say it in the first service, so you guys get to know this. In the first service, right over the far side, right at the back there, my brother-in-law, who I keep just softly inviting him along to church, he was in the service back there. He didn't get saved. That's another step. But I believe, why are we seeing this? Because when I'm asking him, I'm not asking him jokingly anymore. I'm just saying, hey, why don't you come along to church this week? And to be honest, I'm asking him every time. And you, he's, he's wanting to come. But where is our anticipation? Where is your expectation around this? Because you know what? God wants to see it happen. And there really is something in this new era of evangelism where if we're anticipating, if we're all expecting something to really start happening, I believe we're going to see things that we haven't even dreamt of because we're all expecting it together. And we're going to share some more stories, but it's so important. You know, what are you expecting around your schoolmates, around your workmates? Are you expecting that they'll never join you to church? Or are you believing that sometime this year you're going to see most of them come along with you to church? Because I can tell you, we're going to see what you expect. If you're believing it, if you're anticipating it, that's what's going to happen. But I believe there's something even more than that in that anticipation. And that's, for many of us, we've been believing 
for our friends, our family, but more our sons and our daughters or our mothers and fathers to come along to church. And we've been praying for years. Well, I believe it's time we're going to see something change there. Uh, Graham, uh, Pastor Graham at the conference, he, for a split second, for a few moments, he mentioned this verse, 2 Samuel 14, verse 14. And I thought, man, this is for us to grab. Okay, it's coming up here. Basically, that underlined part there is basically saying God devises ways. God makes ways. God's looking for ways to see those that have gone away from him come back. God is always looking for ways for your sons and your daughters to come back. He's looking for ways for your mothers, your fathers, your aunties, your uncles, those that are your friends who have been backslidden to come back to God. He's more interested about them than you are. And if we grab that revelation, something will change. But we've got to start expecting it. They are going to come back. There's something in this church. We are going to see these altars every Sunday. We're going to see them filled with backsliders. People that have walked away come back because of our anticipation. Because it's what God wants to do. But when we're believing it, we're going to start seeing it happen. But it's not only for them. Pastor Wayne mentioned Luke 8 verse 40. You probably remember it. Luke 8 verse 40. What does it say? It says, so it was when Jesus returned that the multitudes welcomed him, for they were all waiting. See, this is not a head thing. This has got to be a heart thing. We were, and I hope you believe this. See, if you really believe that you're saved by grace through Jesus Christ, the whole of mankind is waiting for Jesus. Your friends and your family are waiting for Jesus. You have to understand this. Not, not think about it, but know it in here. The people you meet on the street, they're waiting for Jesus. They're ready. They're longing. They're desiring for Jesus. Is that right? They are waiting to meet with Jesus. And if we have that understanding, then when we're talking to them, we're not thinking they're going to reject us. We're thinking the other way. Oh, they're longing. They're longing to find what I have found. They're longing to know the peace the forgiveness that's found in Jesus Christ. And when we get that revelation, it's going to change because we're going to start seeing things happen. You know, tonight you're going to hear in, uh, in your new era, we're talking about that tonight, we're going to hear from Adrian and Pastor Julian how they've already started to see this and their actual testimonies happened very, very recently about how lives have been changed because everybody is waiting for Jesus. Honestly, when you hear it, you, you will really get that in here. Because that's where it's got to be. It can't be here. It's got to be up here. It's got to be down here in your heart. So that's point number one. Point thought number two is the lost need you. Pastor Wayne said, be willing. Bayless preached, God uses people. The truth is, people don't get saved by just turning up to church. People get saved by Friends and family sowing seed. They, they come to church because they know that somebody is there alongside them. And we have to understand, God needs you. God needs you to see your friend and family safe. He's not just going to do it. He's limited himself to be worked through you. He needs you. Turn to the person next to you and tell them, God needs you. Do you believe that up in the balcony? I like the guys in the balcony because I can really see them nodding and, and agreeing. This is what statistics say. 
Friendship evangelism or friends or relatives getting alongside people is the most effective and simplistic way to bring people to a relationship with Jesus. Look at this slide up here. This is how they break it down. 2% come to Christ through church advertising. 6% through the preacher. That's probably television evangelism and stuff like that. Organized evangelism program, 6%. But look at that, 86% are because you talk to your workmates, are because you talk to your schoolmates, are because you talk to your relatives and either lead them personally or bring them along to church. That's how it works. And that is what this new era of evangelism is. It's about personally us knowing, it's, I can do this and I can see them saved. It's through you. You know, you will be the answer to somebody's prayer. Because if everyone's waiting for Jesus, they're right now, they're asking, God, are you real? They're asking, God, I need you to show your power in my life. And when you come and talk to them, you're the answer to the prayer they're praying. You know, Pastor Wayne said something quite profound that I, I want us to think about. He's, you know, in the Bible it says very clearly that the harvest is ripe. The harvest is ready. People are waiting for Jesus. That's what the Bible says. And then Wayne said this, the harvest doesn't reap itself. Think about an apple on a tree. When an apple is ripe, it's ripe and it's ready, but it's still sitting on the tree. You or I need to go up and pick that apple. It's ripe, it's ready, it's waiting, but we have to go and grab that apple. But then he goes on to say, but it will destroy itself if it's not reaped. That's same in the natural. That apple, once it gets ripe, if it stays there, it's going to start to rot, it's going to fall down, and then it's just going to disintegrate because no one went and picked it, because no one went and harvested it. That's our job. That's our responsibility. And in this new era of evangelism, you're going to see that it's a lot easier You're going to see that people are a lot more open. Why? What has changed? Because we have got a new look. We've got a new understanding. So number three, love the lost. You know, the devil's greatest weapon is distraction, to take our focus away from the gospel, the heart for the lost. You know, we have to understand that, you know, we need to love them. We need to love them and be concerned and have compassion for them. Pastor Wayne said, be kind. You know, I find that quite challenging. Just be kind to everyone. You know, a couple of days after conference, I was driving the church van that's got Church Unlimited written all over it, and I was driving down the road, and some lady pulls out right in front of me. She must have thought, oh, that van looks slow and old. But and at that moment, I had to put on my brakes, and then I probably tailgated her just a little bit close. And then straight away in my mind, you know what I thought? Be kind. I mean, here I am in the church van with Church Unlimited written. But you understand? John 13, verse 34 and 35 says, A new command I give you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. To love one another, by this all people will know. Because we have a love. We're concerned for them. We are worried about them. 
The truth is, I know I could grow so much in this area. But I can use a family example. Uh, was it last week? No, two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, uh, a cousin and their family came down to Auckland, and my sister Judith had them stay at her place because she's a lot kinder than I am. So she had them stay at her place, and so there was about, I don't know, 13 or 14 of them staying over Saturday night. And so they were staying over Saturday night, so what did she do? She just asked them to come along to church. And in that first service, she was sitting over there, I was doing the altar call, and I saw this lady raise her hand, and I hadn't clicked, and then she walked out the front there, and there was my cousin giving her life to Jesus. Why? Because my sister, not because of anything I did, but because my sister was kind. And my sister was kind, and that kindness gave the opening to invite her along to conference. And mum was just telling me in the last service that their kids are still buzzing about the kids' program and how much it meant to them. And they're still just so excited. They actually live up in Kerry Kerry. But you know what? They've already bought tickets for the kids and themselves to come to conference. Why? Because they know that what's happening here is real. And they want to be part of it. You know, that's what it's about. And that can be your story too. That's what I want to say this morning. That can be your story. Just a little bit of kindness, not going too much out of your way. Bang. God moves in their lives. And they're radically changed. Thought four. This is what it looks like. Pray every day. You're like, Sam, I've heard that so many times here. Well, let me tell you this. It's not the thought to pray every day. It's actually praying every day. There's a real difference, church. If you actually pray for those people, we serve a faithful God, and God will work. God will change. God will turn something around. Now, this is a very, very recent story. There's a lady, um, and she's been part of our church, and she's been praying for her husband for 30 years, probably over 30 years. Sadly, he just passed away not that long ago. But do you know what? A few weeks before he died, he asked Jesus into his heart. That's the power of prayer. That's the faithful God we serve. But see, church, I don't want to say prayer is the key. I want to say actually praying is the key. Actually saying every morning, God, you know my uncle. You know this person. You know where they're at. God, I pray. Lord, soften their heart. Give me open opportunities. But praying every day, it will work. It will change things. And I want to say it's the missing ingredient to some of your areas, some of those backslidden family members or those kids that have walked away. Praying every day will change something in their lives. It really will. Listen to this verse. It's so clear. 1 Timothy 2, verse 1 to 4. It's from the New Living Translation. But listen to this. Here are my directions. Pray much for others. Plead for God's mercy upon them. Man, how clear is this? Give thanks for all he is going to do for them. Wow. This is is good and pleases God our Savior, for he longs for all to be saved and to understand the truth. Pray. God will open the door. God will cause things to change. And that person you're thinking about right now. But it's not just praying once. It's praying and praying and praying and praying. And God will come through. My nana, you've you probably heard the story I've shared a little while ago. On Christmas Day, just gone, she was down here, invited her along to church. 
She sometimes used to say no because she didn't like the loud music. But, but you know, we've been praying for years. Our family's been praying for years and years. On Christmas Day, she came here. She was sitting on the front row. She raised her hand. She got saved. And you know what? She's been radically changed. She's 90 years old, but she's been radically changed by God. She's so passionate about the Bible. But why? God had worked in her life. We are in a newer era of evangelism, church. Point number five, the last one, be passionate. Let's not pick up the Bible and go and smack people over the head with it. That's not that kind of passion. It's getting passionate about what we know is the truth. There's a picture up here I'm going to chuck up. Yesterday, um, Zach went along to soccer for the very first time, and I didn't share this in the first service, but he, he was sub for the first few moments, and then he went on, he got on, and he dribbled the ball pretty much right into the goal and scored a goal within the first few seconds of him being on. I'm like, that's my boy. And then for the rest of the time, he, yeah, he didn't show that so much promise. But he'll get it. But we can get so passionate about sport, can't we? You know, even a lady at the end, you know, everyone comes together at the end, and she just said, hey, I just want to mention this is just little kids here. You don't need to get worked up as parents. Obviously, somebody was getting angry at the ref already, five-year-old. But you know what it's like? We get angry. We, no, it wasn't me. I was very calm. I was, I was trying to help Zach know which goal to go on. But anyway, <laughs> the point is we get passionate about things that don't really matter. You know, we saw that clip from Bayless a few weeks ago, and he said, this atheist said, I don't really believe what you're talking about because I don't see any passionate from the pulpit. Well, if we believe and we know what is real, that Jesus is the answer and that heaven and hell are real, then why should we not be passionate about it? That doesn't mean angry. That means we're determined. And we know that that person out there who we know isn't a Christian. Where are they going, church? If they were to pass away, where are they going? And is that not a reason to be more passionate about anything, more passionate about salvation than the All Blacks? more passionate than your son playing or your daughter playing sport. That's Jesus. And hopefully today we understand the significance of that, that we have to be passionate. We have to understand that it is real. You know, a while ago I heard this preacher named Jack Haynes, and he's written a book. And in his book he talks about a chapter called If I Were the Devil. And listen to what he says here. If I were the devil... I would convince everyone that there is plenty of time, no rush, no hurry. I would make sure that no one felt a sense of urgency for the perishing people around them. Time is short, eternity is so long. If I were the devil, I'd make sure that priorities were all wrong. Man, life is short. I just turned 37 on Monday. I mean, pretty soon, I'm going to be as old as Pastor Tark says he is. <laughs> One day, before you realize, you're going to step over to eternity. And we can worship God for all eternity. But you know what? You cannot reach out to that lost family member. You cannot reach out to that lost loved one. You cannot talk to your workmate about Jesus in heaven. That's the truth. And we, need to, we don't need to be crazy about it, but we need to have this resolve in our spirit that actually I know something that they need to know. Yeah. 
They have to know church. And that is this new era of evangelism. We're, we're not ashamed. Why? Because people are waiting for Jesus. Is that right? They're waiting. They're ready. They're looking. But it's going to take you. So just to recap, we need to change our thinking, but have a different expectation or different anticipation that this year, not, not in 10 years' time, that this year our friends and family are going to get saved. We're going to see it. Are you believing it? Are you thinking about it? Are you expecting it? We need to understand that unless you and I reach out to that people, that person, the people around us, most likely they won't make it into heaven. Unless you do it. Unless I do it. Unless I keep reaching out to those family members, they're not going to join me in heaven. That's a sobering thought, but it's the truth. We have to have a love for the people. We have to have a compassion for the lost around us. Those people every day, we just need to show the love of Jesus. We just need to reflect him. We need to actually pray. We actually need to pray for them. Not say, yeah, yeah, I know that's key. We need to pray and allow God to move. And we need to understand the consequence if we don't do anything. Which means there needs to be some passion in all of our lives. If we've truly found Jesus, there needs to be a resolve in our spirit that everyone who doesn't know needs to know. As the musicians come, I want to finish with this thought. I have a very, very bad memory. But there's a few things I, I remember. And I remember when I was about 13 years old, I was in the church I was at down in Blenheim at the time, and I was helping out in a holiday program. And I can, see, I can still picture it right now. We had wooden seats and this boy, probably about eight or nine, was sitting probably about over here. He was sitting on the edge, and we'd just finished a session or a meeting or doing something. And he comes to me and goes, Sam, I want Jesus in my life. And I remember kneeling down right next to him. And in that moment when I was 13 years old, leading him to Jesus. And the joy that I felt, I was just so excited about having that opportunity. And today, church, I want every one of you, I want you this year to have the excitement of being able to come up to me. I mean, I remember a, a couple just sitting over there come up to me after the church last week and they said, we brought this girl along and she got saved. I want every one of you to be able to have that joy, whether it's at home, at work, or even here on a Sunday, that you have the joy of saying, I brought that person, I talked to that person, and they got saved. That is the new era of evangelism. We are going to experience it.